What's up, y'all? This is wide receiver Deontay Simpson. This is cornerback Cam Johnson. Cornerback Deshaun Getty Jr. Senior forward Zachary Simmons, and you're listening to Bruins Breakdown, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and with me is the new walk-on at North Texas, Colin Mitchell. Colin, how does it feel to be the new walk-on at North Texas basketball? The mean green, I mean, you have your hoodie on, you got the gear. What, what did Coach McCaslin tell you when when you found out? Well, how, did, how did that meeting go? First of all, my name's CJ now. Mm. Um cj mitchell which we changed Mm -hmm. uh grant told me that i'm going to be on the bench Mm, okay yeah okay that's the extent of my okay uh, did did he see you hoop though he saw he saw your skills well i went in and you know he he kind of handed me a few towels to kind of hand to the guys um the extent of my range is about the distance it takes me to throw a towel to like Mm -hmm. reese you know after he makes a three uh, I'm an imp- I'm a pretty integral part of this team. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, mm-hmm. really big deal, big deal. Colin Mitchell, you're gonna see him on the court, right <laughs> next to, right next to Javion Hamlet. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna when the net cutting happens, it's gonna be Javion Hamlet, and then it's gonna be me after that, and then we're both gonna be holding up the trophy simultaneously. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow, wow. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, you got to give yourself some credit though, Colin. You're you are, can play basketball now. I remember when we when we used to come on this podcast and we you say to, how bad I was. Yeah. Well, we didn't really outright say it. No, we didn't. We just it Hinted. was implied. Very yeah, we were implied. always like, you know, I I I played fine and Colin was there, you know. <laughs> but now it's like Colin's playing basketball. Yeah, I can actually play basketball Woo. now. You know, Bruni and I've been getting in this work like three times a week. Watch out! I'm telling you, watch out. No other 24/7 channel wants to see us in two on two. I wonder how hard that would be to set up with like very hard considering there's Anytime, no one else. We got to get Colin Kennedy and, and one of the other people. Gabe. Oh, you Gabe would destroy us. <laughs> us two versus Colin and Gabe. That's we're getting we're getting wrecked. <laughs> we're getting absolutely wrecked. What do you think the weight difference and height difference between those two and us is? Bro, Colin to me alone is like he's just so much stronger than me. I'm just, he's, I'm, a, he's, I'm a twig. He's, he's huge. I'm, I'm a twig. That dude's, he's built. Yeah. I'm Colin, I know you're listening to this. You're built. I'm a twig. You're <laughs> <laughs> getting posted up. Exposed. Exposed. <laughs> Mouse in the house. Anyways, I, I promise we have a serious podcast today. It's long. Um, today will be long podcast. Sure. Yeah. Probably a long podcast. We've, you know, spoon fed our audience for so long with these 45 minute podcasts because there's been nothing to talk about in mm-hmm. the land of North Texas for so long. But now, when we record this, it is the, what, 17th of November, and we are about nine days away from North Texas opening game on Thanksgiving against Mississippi Valley State, and we'll get into the schedule, we're going to get into all the new players, um, the returning players, the schedule, the conference, uh, the departures, every single aspect of this team we're going to break down in this singular podcast, and we're going to give you all, what, what, eight days to listen to it, so you have no excuse. No matter how this long this podcast is. is going to be, so compact, you're going to need all eight days to listen mm-hmm. to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Break it up in ten serving minutes. sizes. Exactly. Every morning, thirty minutes. <laughs> Every morning. <laughs> Just make this a four-hour podcast. I'm super down. That's how. I mean, we haven't covered sports in a month. I know. Think I about know. that. I mean, you've written stuff, obviously, but like we haven't yes. covered an actual game. I know. Quick plug before we get going. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Quick plug before we get going. North, uh, we are we are having a fifty percent off 
uh, deal for our annual subscriptions. So check that out. We got a lot of VIP stuff. As y'all know, if you've been following the site for the last couple of years, I do a lot of VIP stuff for basketball, especially um, football will pick back up whenever the games pick back up. Cause that's when we do, you know, our ant analysis of the games and what we saw and whatnot. Um, so 50% off, I believe that goes through Thursday. So we're recording this on Tuesday. Whenever you're listening to this uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, we also get access to our VIP board where me, Gabe Brooks, Colin Kennedy all interact with you as well. So, Colin, let's get into this North Texas basketball team. The okay. 2020 conference champions, 20 and 11, I mean, 14 and 4 in conference play. So many just fun moments from last season. And obviously, the best of them all being the Western Kentucky win in overtime to win the conference championship that you did not go to. I was but we, say, are, we won't spend any time on that. I'm still mad. That uh, uh, I mean, then you had the two games versus Louisiana Tech, which were amazing. I mean, you just had fantastic moments for this team throughout the year, and I'm 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 glad that they were at least able to have that moment moment at the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. You know, before. All hell broke crashing down. Yes. Yeah. And as we all know, they didn't get to play any games in the Conference USA uh, tournament uh, because they had a bye the first day. Uh, I think all the first day games were played, and then um, the second day is when everything um, was canceled. So we didn't get to see them there. We didn't get to see them in the NCAA tournament, obviously. Would have been a landmark moment if they would have made it. Um, The first team since what 2009, because one of those nine or ten Johnny Jones team made it. First, yeah, first team in over in a decade, Um, and easily just I mean one of the best teams in North Texas history. Really, no other way to say it. We're gonna get into all the details with that. Um, But I was looking back and I was listening to our, our old podcast. I was looking at um, the stats from last year and stuff, and it all st- kind of started coming back to me. And I had a lot of notes from it to kind of bring everybody's memory back because I feel like before I looked at everything, I completely forgot how good like how good the team was right. and what exactly like they were right. good at. Yeah. So I went back and I looked at all that for us, and so I'm gonna we're, we'll get into this first, uh, kind of looking back at the 2019 2020 season. Before we go forward, and uh, then we'll go to departures uh, after this. So, as we all know, in the non-conference season, they struggled on offense. They relied on their defense. They played an incredibly tough schedule. I mean, probably top 20 most difficult non-conference schedule in the country. You had games against VCU, Arkansas, Eastern Michigan, Rhode Island, Utah State, UT Arlington, Oklahoma, Little Rock, Dayton. All those teams are, you know solid solid teams at, at worst and they start off the season four and seven that's what we have to remember they were three and six and then they were four and seven after they lost to Dayton and that was only two they were four and seven with two games left before the con- conference play so four and seven and then they go on and they beat uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff Texas Wesleyan then they enter conference play um, they relied on their defense throughout the non-conference season uh, all the Juco guys were really really shaky Javion James Reese and Thomas were all shaky. Um, I think I've written about this before, but James Reese in his first like 10 or 12 games was shooting like 25% from three. Javion was nothing like what he became. Yeah, turnover machine is yeah, what he was. <laughs> yeah, couldn't create anything. They were a disjointed offense a lot. Mo was the best offensive player for them last year uh, in the non-conference season. Uh, and yeah, the offense was just a real struggle. And yet they still had chances to beat Oklahoma 
they hung in there with Dayton, uh, hung in there with Utah State, Rhode Island, all those teams, Arkansas, VCU. Um, and then at once conference season kicked off, they lost to West Kentucky. And they had that big lead, and then they blew it, and West Kentucky started pressing them and sped the game up, and West Kentucky just overtook them. That was a really hard loss. People forget about that one. I remember watching that on ESPNU and just like, damn, how how do you let that one go? And then they barely beat Marshall. Right. So they were like this close to being 0-2. Especially coming coming up to that point in the season, we you and I were both like, is this team even going to be any good? Mm-hmm. Especially after we saw how bad Javion was playing, how bad Reese was playing, like you said. Um, it it kind of gave everyone like, oh, oh crap, like what's going to happen? No, yeah. Um, and even though I tweeted out, remember before the conference season, I said they're going to go 13 to five in conference. I said that and I believed it, but there was plenty of room to be skeptical because we hadn't seen this team beat an upper level team, which is what West Kentucky, Louisiana tech, uh, multiple teams in conference USA are and were, um, they lose to West Kentucky, but again, they showed that they can, whenever they're comfortable, they can play with anybody. And that's what they'd shown throughout the year. Marshall, similar thing. They pulled it out the end. And then this stretch of games, I think, really, really defined and turned it all around for this season. Not just because they were wins, but because of how they were able to win it. FIU, they won by 18. FAU, they won by 23. La Tech, Javion had the buzzer beater on the road. Rice, they beat by 20. And then UTSA, they beat by 21. Like, that's a five. That's a what? One, two, three. Four, five. That's a five, no, six game stretch. I'm sorry. Six game stretch where they're basically routing everybody except for a La Tech team on the road, which they beat, which they beat on a buzzer beater. Like those six games sh- completely had this team settled in. And like I said, when this team is settled in and comfortable, they were just as good as anybody really in the country, really. And they could play with anyone and beat anybody in conference USA. And that's what they did in that stretch. And even after that, you look at, they beat uh, UTEP. Then they lost to rice on the, on the road uh, in that shootout, uh, barely beat middle, uh, beat UAB. They had, a, that's a three game road trip, uh, beat Charlotte at home, beat old dominion at home, beat La tech at home. And, or I'm sorry, lost to La tech at home in that crazy game. Like there was this, just a stretch where it flipped and, it went from not being sure how they would play um, offensively to them beating teams by 20 points routinely. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what was kind of lost. And that's what I forgot. And when I went back and looked at it, I figured I remembered they had the biggest point per game margin of any team, like your points per game scored and right. points per game allowed. The differential. Yeah. The differential in conference play. They were beating teams by. Hold on, let me. I have it right here. Their average margin um, was eight point one. Dang, eight point one, and that includes the losses. That's not just margin of victory. That's right. that includes the losses, uh, all four of them, and they still had an eight point plus eight point one margin, and that's the most by two point three points, and which was La Tech, who was a plus six point eight, and then third was Western Kentucky. I think they were only like plus three point five. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't just winning games; they were beating the hell out of people, and that's what we forget is that this team wasn't just like good because they pulled out the close games against La Tech and West Kentucky. They were good because they didn't give UTSA, UTEP, 
Southern Miss, FAU, FIU. They didn't give them a chance. Another thing, too, was it wasn't just done defensively. Like we said, they relied on in the, in the beginning of the season. Once they picked up their offense, the defense didn't go away. Mm-hmm. They just dominated teams on both ends. Yeah. Um, they actually, uh, in the 18 conference games, they allowed the least amount of points per game. I believe it was 64. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into another reason as to why that is or why that was in a second. But you, you make a good point in that the offense took off and the defense, while I don't think it was at the level of where it was in the non-conference season, it didn't taper off. Right. It, it was it still it was still prominent enough to where I, we weren't worried about it. And it showed in the Western Kentucky game when they locked Western Kentucky up late in the, the game. The Tech game where they didn't, no one scored for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah on, on the road. <clears throat> um, and so the, the, the defense was always there and then once the offense took off and the shooting took off then it was a wrap because then you look at this team and they were easily the best three-point shooting team in conference USA they shot 38 percent as a team on 20 attempts per game and they were shooting the free throw and they were second in free throw shooting at 78 percent like this is a elite shooting team they had last year like it is it is incredible to to see and even in the games, and it wasn't like they were having these games where they were randomly hitting, you know, 13, 14, 15 threes. They were consistently hit going 8 for 20, 8 for 20, 8 for 20. And that's 40%. Like, that's what you need to do, especially when the deep perimeter defense that they played last year was, was solid enough to give them that gap in three-point disparity. Um, let's see what else I have written down. They were second in assist to turnover ratio. In the conference, um, their rebounding, if you remember, did dip throughout the season. It wasn't as good as it had been in McCaslin's first two years. It dipped down a little bit. They finished fifth in Conference USA for rebounding margin. Uh, it's mostly because they didn't. They were 13th in offensive rebounding uh, while being, I believe, second or third or something like that in defensive rebounding. So they, they defensive rebounded well, but they didn't offensive rebound well. Which... Yeah, we talked about that being a factor that Ryan wasn't there anymore. Yeah, as well as Zach kind of in a different role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and as the season wore on, you saw different guys start to defensive rebound even better, which helped them when Thomas Bell, James Reese, um, Dang got more comfortable. You had Javion crashing for more rebounds. You had a lot of guys get more comfortable in rebounding on the defensive side of the ball, and that was a big deal as well. Um, Jay, I mean. If you go look at individuals, we've we've talked about this many times before, but Javion just completely flipping the switch between that non-conference season and conference season was the difference in this team. What's crazy about his his flipping of the switches? It wasn't just like a flipping of the switch to where he was no longer just turning the ball over. It was going from what we thought was not a good move for North Texas at that time mm-hmm. to being the best player in conference USA. I mean, it was a complete one eighty because we were talking about at the time like, what does it take for North Texas fans and us to make it to where it was worth letting Ryan walk. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, we'll get into JV on what we expect from him this year. Cause he is back for his senior season. But I think just looking at those three Juco guys as a whole, just define the season really. Cause they're all so good at what they do. And I mean, they're all really good two way players too. That's the thing is Thomas James and JV all three of them are smart players they could all shoot uh, we forget thomas bell shot 38 percent from three in conference play he didn't shoot a lot but he yeah, shot about, a lot of opportunities shot about one and a half a game and shooting 38 percent that's perfectly fine they could all shoot they were all smart they could all defend 
those three guys just injected brand new life into this team and it helped when you had the established guys like Zachary Simmons and you had Mo last year who was an established guy, uh, DJ Rose, established guys, and it made the transition easier to where if you don't have those established guys and you have young guys stepping up and you have to rely on them, then maybe we don't even see this team get it all the way turned around the way they did. And But instead, you have Zach Simmons who can post up five times a game and take the pressure off of Javion every now and then. And then you have Rose and DJ who come off the bench and make some plays. And Mo, who, like I said, early on took a took a lot of the load off of Javion and kind of kept the team in the game. It was... It, I, I just can't remember a team that has been so different from December to February. Yeah. Like, that's really all it was. It was a two-month stretch. Right, where especially when there was such a huge sample size of what we had seen in that non-conference schedule. Like like you said, up until that Marshall game, we were like, uh... <laughs> like, the yeah, whole we're entire talking, time. Yeah, we're talking 14 games. Yeah. But they were 6-8. and eight. Yeah, I mean, we said they went... Uh, they had 11 losses, and you said they had 7 of them. In non-conference, yes. Like, think about that. That's, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, so it's just, it's just a different. It was just a different animal, and I, I really just have to harp on just, just how good this team was, man. You, you take it for granted, looking back on it, being like, oh yeah, they won conference USA. No, that's not something you can just shrug off, especially with the with the, the way that teams. they play. Yeah, the top end teams that they played, and then again to have the consistency. And the explosiveness to win games by 20 points consistently. I remember this stretch of the season where they were tearing people's heads off. Like I said, FIU by 18, FAU 23, Southern Miss 20, Rice 20, UTSA 20, UTEP 10. Like, it it, it was just, it was amazing. And yep. so, that's what good teams do. And that's what... Um, you take it at any level. You you see the good teams. You know, compete with the best. You know, you're you're not always going to beat them, but you're there to compete. But then you just get rid of the the uh, the under achieving teams, and that's what this team did. And that's what really good teams do. And that was that was very impressive. Is they didn't have to struggle. And that's where Western Kentucky, like I said, their margin uh at the end of the season was like three and a half. Mm-hmm. They had to struggle every single time. They were a really right, good. They team. had games where they where they lost to teams that we were like, what the heck? They yeah, lost exactly. And they were a really good team, but that's the type of the struggle that you have whenever you're not as consistent and not as much as um, a force, which North Texas just was last year. I also think it's important to also highlight the culture that Grant has continued to bring to this team from where it was, like we talked about. I mean, you said they had that stretch of four road games where they, you know, kind of eked them out. Whereas before Grant came, they couldn't. They were like one in, you know, whatever over yeah. the last five years on road games. So uh, the fact that Grant was not only able to turn around the team, but also, I mean, make them the number one seed in the conference championship or conference USA tournament is, is a huge thing. Yep. Um, looking at the, I looked at some Ken Palm numbers. Um, also, North Texas shot fifty point two percent from the field in conference play. That's crazy. The best in conference, obviously. Like over half the shots that they took. It's like winning. center numbers. Yeah. For everybody. Like, that's just incredible. Just and incredible. when you think about it, no one on the team two things. Everyone was really unselfish. And secondly, you never really had it like there's 
you never really thought like, oh, that guy's going to be inefficient tonight, every night. Like, there's no mm-hmm. Javon Jackson yeah. on, on North Texas team. The only guy you could maybe say would be Mo, mm-hmm. just because of the kinds of shots that he was forced to take at certain moments. Yeah. But like, you never thought, oh, that's a bad shot. Yeah. With I, anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I. I mean, the way Javion got to the rim, the way Zach was a force at the basket, uh, the way Reese kind of just took what came to him. Same thing with Thomas, um, and then DJ being efficient. I mean. Dang as well. Dang was a pretty efficient guy when he I mean he stopped shooting threes. Uh but he was perfectly fine. Uh looking at the Kimpom numbers, Kimpom had them as the number seventy seven team in the country based on their adjusted efficiency margin. Most outlets had them as a thirteen seed in the NCAA tournament going into it, which is what Kimpom also had them at. They were thirty fourth. Kimpom had them at thirty fourth in adjusted offensive rating. Uh, which I believe was the highest ever for North Texas, at least since 2000, because that's when Kim Baum goes back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 146th in adjusted defense rating. I remember the defense rating dropping significantly from non-conference to conf- uh, conference play just throughout it. Because like I said, you did have those shootout games where they couldn't, they kind of relied on their offense in in a lot of ways. And that I don't want to say that gave them complacency on defense, but that was a storyline last year is that they were... Um, they were kind of relying on their offense at times and where Javion would save them instead of locking down and getting stops, which is what they had to do uh, whenever they couldn't score. Right. You had, uh, I mean, the Rice loss where they scored 84 points. You had Middle Tennessee score 70 on them. Uh, both Charlotte games, both Charlotte games, Charlotte scored, oh no, not the second one. The first one they scored over 70. Um, and so you have you have games like that to where teams are putting up points. Um which was concerning, but the way the offense was was clicking last year in the conference play, it didn't. I wasn't as like worried about it as I would have been in a normal situation. Well, I think it's also different in because when you think about like that La Tech game where you had uh, Bracy hit all those really tough shots or teams where they just hit crazy tough shots. The fact that North Texas didn't have to rely on their defense to win games, but could also rely on their offense to win games. Most teams only have one or the other, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the fact that they're able to be like, okay, we need to lock down here yep. and we can do that. And James Reese will get a breakaway steal or Javon Hamlet's going to hit this ridiculously tough shot. They had both things they could lean on. So when I think of the shootouts, I never thought like, yes, there were some times where we were like, okay, the defense is eh. Yeah. But that was mostly because, you know, you couldn't stop guys from like Bracey hit tough shots yeah. or Charlotte hit tough Rice shots. Rice was hitting tough shots. Ruff, Rice was hitting tough shots. And you're like, okay, well, we need Javion to do something. And he did it. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, exactly. You're going to have teams have good games against you. It's how mm-hmm. you kind of counter that, which they were able to do. Another fun stat I was able, uh, Ken Palm has is the luck metric they have. That's interesting. Nor- out of 351 teams, North Texas ranked 268th. So towards the what bottom. What is that? So, I've never heard of that metric. Um, it's it's basically I'm trying to here. Let me see if they have. Uh, I'm not gonna spend too much. Like time I just want to know definition of what the what uh, they consider. I've, I've looked it up. No, I've looked it up before, but it's basically games within. Um, Ken Palm. Here I got it right here. Here we go. The, the luck rating. Control F. Luck. <clears throat> Easy to understand. Like the, devi- the deviation in winning percentage between team between a team's actual record and their exceeded expected record using correlated guess Gaussian method. The luck fact factor has nothing to do with rating calculations, but a team is that is very lucky will tend to be rated lower by system than their record would suggest. Okay, okay, that kind of that makes sense. So so 
depending on how Ken Palm ranks them mm-hmm. and their uh, record, like, you know, adjusted for competition, obviously, that's how they kind of measure luck in a sense. So North Texas was even better than their record, they're saying. Yeah. Because they didn't have luck on their, like, they didn't have, right. they were at towards the bottom in their luck, quote unquote, metric. So I just thought that was an interesting one. Uh, one other thing from last year which I do want to talk about, which we'll get into in this year's season, is was the pace. They were ranked second to last in the entire country in terms of pace of play. But when you watched them last year, you never thought they were missing out on a lot of points in transition, right? It never felt like, oh man, they need to push the tempo here or else they're not going to be able to score or they need to push the tempo here in order to get easy baskets because like we said, they're scoring 50 per- they were shooting 50% right. anyways. So it never felt like they needed to push the pace. But considering the way they play, and they don't force a lot of turnovers, really. They were towards the middle of the pack in steals. So they're, they're not like this you know, pressure team that relies on steals, so which would result in those uh, uh, fast break points. But, what I mean, what do you think of that, that pace they had last year, and do you think it's replicable? Well, I know the pace was a concern that, again, the beginning of last year, we were like, okay, this team needs to speed it up because yeah. obviously the half court's not working. Yes. Um, as the season went on, we were able to see them play faster when teams played fast with them. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that Grant plays and the way that this team plays best is controlling the pace because they don't want to get sped up, especially mm-hmm. when you're putting so much effort on both ends. Um, and you ask if it was replicable. I think it depends on, again, keeping the ball because we saw, you know, once they got sped up when Javion was turning it over, if Javion, we expect not to not to do that again. So yeah. it's just taking care of the ball and making sure that your half-court sets are, are not predictable. I think uh, you, you kind of alluded to it, but... The way that they played wasn't slow, which is why it didn't feel like they needed to speed it up. Because once right. they got in the half court, they were they were going. Right. It just they didn't they they didn't press for shots. They were yeah they were looking for good shots and they got them. Yes. I mean, like you said, the fifty two percent field goal percentage. That's insane. yeah. And another thing is, once they got late in the clock, they had what they knew what they wanted to do. Right. Javion either ISO or Javion had a Zach come set a screen for him and they get attacked out of it. And when you do that with under ten seconds left on the clock. Obviously, it's late. It's a late clock situation, but it's an ultra efficient situation for those two and for everybody really on the team because Javion was just so damn good mm-hmm. that it didn't matter when the shot was coming, it was going to be a fifty percent or better shot, right. most likely. Again, Javion's very unselfish and would make that pass if there was one there in that last ten seconds. And yeah, that's why another reason why I took exactly. So, so that's why I just thought it was interesting. I think that covers everything from last year, but what a damn what a team. Yep, it's it's actually a shame we didn't get to see the team. It is a complete shame. I wish. I mean, thirteen seed. They would have played what Michigan State. Uh, I I think it was, I mean it was a, it was a it was a lot of different teams. Like there was a Seton Hall in there. There was like a, a I feel like Kentucky, a, was Illinois in like there somewhere. Right? There was a yeah. There, you know, there were a lot of different teams. In, in Regardless, that it would have been a game. It would have been. It would have <laughs> been a game. Yeah, hundred percent. It would have been a game. Like I I just yeah would have been amazing. But now here we are. We go to this season <laughs> and. Uh, the mantra that I made up in my head was finish the job. So mm. get get on that, Colin. We need the cover. We could do like Larry the Cable Guy, like get her done. No, I didn't Hashtag think of that one, Colin. Didn't think of that one. That's a good nope, one. not rolling with that. Okay, <laughs> but job. let's start with the, the departures from last year's team. Okay. Transition into this year. Obviously, Mo 
Dang, Rose, DJ, Abdul, Shaquem. Mm-hmm. Six players departed from last season to this season. And we have Jemiah Simmons, who suffered an injury a couple weeks ago and is out for the season. So that's seven players out. And five of them kind of played last year. Yes. I mean, Maya was Maya wasn't wasn't you know a key rotation guy, but he was there. He he would right. play. He played to then. take Zach yeah. off the court. Yeah, he played every now and then. Uh, DJ and Rose off the bench. We know what they did. Rose was kind of inconsistent. And then Mo and Dang were starters. Uh, Abdul and Shaquem were bench guys. They didn't play really at all, so it wasn't a big loss at all. They both transferred actually, but uh, you have those seven guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we want to go one by one, or do we want to go with what? What are you? What are you me, concerned with? I'll just go with my. I'll, I guess my biggest concern. Go ahead. My biggest concern would probably be Dang and Maya, and I say I include Maya in that because once Dang and Thomas became that quote unquote death lineup for, I mean, the best lineup that North Texas could roll out there, they didn't need Maya. But the fact that they don't have Dang now to hold that five spot when Zach, you know, is is out of the game or is in foul trouble, then you had Maya in there, and now you don't even have that work because he knew what to do. So now you're throwing in new guys with a Thomas assumedly starting now. Yeah. You, or, you, yeah th- Terrence, you have Terrence. Right. So you, have, so you have Terrence. And then who do you have to replace, you know, the dang? And exactly. I think that's the biggest thing because when that lineup was in, we we both agree that that was probably their best defensive lineup mm-hmm. just because they're able to switch. And if you don't have that guy now, that could be concerning to me on the defensive end. Yeah. Uh, dang. I mean, Maya Maya's injury hurts his team early in the season more than it does I think in conference play just because Maya is a, such an experienced guy and just such a kind of a he's a player that you can plug in the system right. that he knows what he's doing and he can do it pretty well as far as rebounding goes as far as defending goes and kind of just help this team kind of get through the early portion of the season especially with um we don't know if players being in and out or right. what whatnot. He's a good fail safe. Yeah, he's he's a very solid veteran player. I mean, he's a senior, and so not having him is gonna it's gonna hurt. But not having Dang and is is gonna be tough. But I really and we'll get into Terrence in a little bit and all the new guys in a little bit. But Terrence feels like he should be able to fill that role pretty comfortably. He's not quite as tall as Dang. Dang had a couple inches on him probably, but Terrence is probably a better rebounder. Terrence is a better shooter. And Terrence is, might be even be a little better of a scorer, but Dang was obviously a a, rim, a better a shot blocker. He had the most blocks on the team last year. And um, Dang was a very smart player as well. Yeah, I was going to say his, his savvy on the defense. Yeah, he was event. very savvy. So that's going to be tough to replace, but I think that they're going to get get in different ways mm-hmm. uh, this year with uh, Terrence. Um, we have to talk about Mo obviously going to Oklahoma, and I think that, um, like I said, we're going to talk about the newcomers soon, but I'm, I think that they needed a change of pace with Drez coming in. They're gonna need his ability to put pressure on the rim more than anything else. Like he's he's only six two, but if you watch his t- highlight tapes, like he's he can get up, he can dunk. He's a yeah. very um, forceful player, right. and he shot fifty percent from three last year. And even if, even if that translates to 38 percent from three, I'm thrilled. Yeah, it's mo numbers. Like I'm thrilled. Yeah. And so, and then obviously you have him as a secondary ball handler for. Whether Javion's on the court or off the court, you have him who can run some offense there. Maybe give Javion some spot ups, spot ups as well. 
Um, so I, I'm not too worried about not having Mo just because Mo's creation was so limited because of his um, because of his build and because of kind of what he did well. He was a right. pure shooter who could stretch the floor extremely well, and he could get to the basket if there was a lane. But asking him to kind of give you a give him a shake and get to the rim, play through contact. Yeah, play through contact. That wasn't really his his get down. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, I I'm glad that they're gonna they're 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 gonna have something else. Yes, next uh, to JV. I would I would say that the, Drez fits the team better. My only concern with No not being here, and I brought this up to you the other day, was who you have that guy that JV can pass it to at the end of a game, or who's the next guy that's gonna take the big shot? And obviously, Mo hit tons of big shots. Is Drez gonna be able to hit the clutch shots? James Reese. And that and I guess we would get into that in yes. a sec. But yeah, James Reese. Uh, when we talk about returners. He's gonna be big, but what what can Drez do um, in in that sense? But no, I I think it's great that they have him only because it's gonna give a chance for Javon to actually finally get some rest and you know you not to have he was basically like LeBron played thirty two minutes a game right. last year. He was out like of LeBron 40. for sections of last season where it was like what was the plus minus when he was off the floor? Yes, no, I <laughs> tweeted it. I tweeted yeah. it. he was a plus thirteen per one hundred possessions in conference play. Yeah, like yeah. Plus so you 13. need you need to have a guy that is as dynamic as a score as Javon. Maybe not as efficient, but the fact that he's able to get to the rim and shoot at the same time, that just changes the complete dynamic whenever a jam goes off the floor. I'm ready to go out on a limb already. Uh-oh. Mar- Mardrez, his shooting might determine the ceiling of this team. What just is how the, high it okay, is. Okay, what is the floor of the team? If he, like, Let's say he doesn't shoot well. Say he shoots 35% on two a, to a game. On two attempts per game? Mm-hmm. Oh, if he's only shooting two attempts per game. That's Thomas Bell numbers. Um, we can go through. That's not. I mean, I I wouldn't. I would say that that's probably a third, third uh, number three seed in, in conference USA. Okay. So it's not bad or anything because it's gonna be tough to repeat. Like I I don't I don't think people understand. Yeah, we'll, we'll how talk, tough it's gonna we'll, be. To we'll talk about that in a second. We'll but. talk about that, but like I I'd say three or four. Like if Drez doesn't come in and he's not shooting, let's say four a game and shooting them at a 35, 37 percent clip. Then I think we got to look at this ceiling a little differently. But if he comes in and he does that, shoots four a game on a 38% clip or, you know, give or take both of those numbers, then we're looking at this team as, holy crap, this is the dynamic team. Because Dress can also push the ball in transition. They can't sag off of him. The way he can. That's just going to, yeah. Yeah, he can go. I guess for players who don't, or players, people who don't know, Dress is like, think of Russell Westbrook with a three in terms of his ferocity yeah ferociousness yeah like his yeah um i'm trying to think i feel like there's another player we could john wall maybe lonnie walker but nobody will know who lonnie no one walker knows is. who lonnie walker is i like that lonnie walker comparison though that is a pretty good comparison um but yeah mo gives the, mo not being there opens the door for this team to yeah. have a higher ceiling think of it this way mo hitting five threes a game or mo hitting two threes a game like to get to those five threes mo would probably shoot like 11 I mean, yeah, he ended up shooting like thirty. I forgot what he ended up. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like there was there was stretches where he hit like he'd go like three of thirteen or something like that, and we'd be like, "What is happening?" Yeah. Um. So the ceiling with Mo, I think, was lower. I mean, yeah, he went. He would go. Like this is like I'm just gonna read this stretch from from Mo off to you. And again, Mo was a great player, and he had consistent games. Obviously, like there were three of six, three of eight, three of eight. But then you had stretches where it would be. 0 of 4, then 4 of 9, then 2 of 9, then 1 of 6, then 4 of 8, then 4 of 9, then 1 of 8, then 6 of 9, then 2 of 4, then 2 and 6. Is that, those are just threes? 
yes only threes that was yeah. successively like right. that's what i'm saying like you didn't really really know what you were going to get from him and that was because guys knew how to play him yes. if you had a taller defender on him that was just locked to his hip it was going to be tough for him to score well, we saw that in the oklahoma game yep remember i think yep. they put doolittle on him yep at one point and that was just completely kind of took him out of the game but and that might be an unfair comparison because doolittle was really really good but um i feel like drez is, opens up the opens up different doors for this team yep and I that's agree. what i'm really excited for. i agree um, so Mo, Mo goes to Oklahoma. Also, best of luck to him at Oklahoma. I'm excited to see what him and uh, Davion Harmon can do. Davion's an, a Denton guy, Denton Geyer guy. Uh, I'm not going to get into their preview or anything, but that's going to be interesting. Uh, Rose, uh, Rose and DJ being out. This is an underrated storyline in my opinion, and I've written about it a few times, but the seven, the, the seven and eight slots in this rotation are really, really up for grabs. Yes. Like, really up for grabs. So last year, and, DJ right. was the seventh man. Rose was the eighth man. Now you have, I don't even, we'll get into that in a second, but I don't know who's going to step in there, and that's that's a key for All this All I want to say is that depending on who gets it will determine how good this team will be, in my opinion. Like, if we don't see certain players get that spot that we expect to get that spot, mm-hmm. then this team's going to be in trouble. The thing is, I don't even know who I expect to get that spot. Like, I... I, I, guess, I guess not expect need to get that spot okay okay um but yeah that's gonna be key and also replicating dj's shooting yep exactly i mean not saying that they have anybody has to shoot the way he shot but just being able to come in and make shots Mm -hmm. the way and still be a defender defender defender. exactly so that's where you have to you they're gonna have to figure out the balance there of what they need hopefully um, if terrence comes in and he's able to shoot the ball well if he comes in off the bench where as you know you had Dang and Thomas who didn't really shoot a lot of threes last year. If Terrence can come in and maybe knock down some knock down some shots, you do anything better than Dang at three, then you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, compensate. <laughs> yeah, uh, at that at that level, it's fine. Um, but yeah, we'll get into the younger guys as well who will be in contention for that. Abdul Shakim, um, obviously transfer guys didn't really play much. They gave JJ Murray a scholarship. Shout out JJ Murray. Um, so you had the six or you had. Yeah, you had the six departures, and they replaced those with the uh, five new guys and JJ as the, those six scholarships yep. transferred over. So, now you want to get into the new faces? Do you want to get into those new, new guys? Transfer. Should we just go down the lineup instead? Like, like power, yeah, almost power rank in a way? Not or power rank, but go like... Through. Like, what do we expect from Javion? What do we expect from, you know, Reese? So on and so forth. I'm trying to think if we want to do team stuff first or... Yeah, no, no. We'll do individuals first. You're right. Okay. Um. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. All right. Let's, let's go down the starting lineup, which we presume to be Javion, Drez, Reese, Thomas, Zach. Maybe they start Terrence for Thomas... I don't know, and it really doesn't matter. If they do start transfer Thomas, that's a good sign, though. I will say that. Yes. Like, I think that Thomas, I think he's going to get the minutes. Like, he's going to get any minutes. We know anymore. how good Thomas is. Yeah. And if they bring Terrence, if they start Terrence over him, that at least means that he's close to as yeah. good as Thomas. Or, yeah, Thomas. Okay, let's start with, with Javion. I feel like we could write a book about Javion's last season. Javion's career so far. Yeah, I feel like there's just so much that we... Best point guard in North Texas like, history. Played, it's crazy. He played 30, <laughs> yeah, I played 32 and a half minutes last a game last yeah. year. What? I mean, I 
what do what do you need to see from him? What what do you what are your thoughts on Javion Javion going into the year? Similar to how Ryan affected this team, Javion's going to make or break this team's chances at repeating their championship. Um, I mean, if he's not, you know, within five percent of how he, how good he was, if he's not ninety five percent of what he was last year, there's going to be an issue only because of how dynamic he was and how much of a rock he was. Like you mentioned, he paid thirty two and a half minutes a game. In all of those thirty-two and a half minutes, there was never a doubt that he was going to perform at his at his best. Yeah, and I think it's important that we don't see, you know, any shaky games from him. This is one of my interesting points of contention this year. I have a, I have a few of like like points that I want to ask you and like get okay. get to, but. Can we realistically expect Javion to replicate what he did last year? And I think that's a great question because what do we think Javion's peak is in terms of a player? I think what he did last year has to be his peak. Like, there's no way that he gets significantly better than that. Right. Like, he might get incrementally better. Like, yeah. he might shoot a little better, but he shot 42% from three. I think I think the important thing for Javion, and really you could argue it was the only thing that was... That change that was the difference between him having those really awful first eleven games and then turning it around would be his decision making, and I think that's that's dependent on the team around him as well. Like think about how many possessions he had, right? I mean, his uh, usage rate had to have been like thirty five percent. Yeah, no, it was it, it has to be incredible. So we're saying he played thirty two minutes a game for eighteen minutes. He played five hundred eighty three minutes. All right, and he probably had the ball in his hand. He probably had the ball in his hand for five hundred of those minutes. At, right. Let, let's say. Yeah. He only had 35 turnovers in conference play. This is this is conference I was, play. I was gonna say this I was conference like, play. dang. Conference <laughs> play. So in 18 games, he had 35 turnovers, which is less than two a game. And his turnover to assist ratio had to be insane. yeah, and he had 95 assists. That's crazy. That's a three to one almost. That's crazy. Three to one almost Especially for a guy in college. who handles the ball. Yep. Yeah, and which is college where the spacing is more limited than it is in in the NBA. And guys don't get as many assists as they do in the NBA. Right, because guys aren't making shots. Yes, like, the scoring's lower. Mm-hmm. Like, And then he put up 18 a game with that. Yep. While shooting 53% from the field, 40% from three. Yep. There is just no way you can ask him to do exactly that and again. I mean, he could probably do it again, but I don't want him to have to do that again, which is why I think the addition of Drez is so, so, so important. I guess I don't mean uh, number production for how well he plays. Yes. I mean, the like we can't. We need to see him still be the best player in Conference yes. USA next year. Yes. If he's not the best player in Conference USA next year, this team has to rely on somebody else, mm-hmm. or more people, I should say, to, to make up for that, and that's going to be tough. Well, I, I do agree. Okay. I think you're, like, when you're you preaching, go the, I think when you're you, preaching to acquire here in that, yes... I don't know if preaching the choir is the right phrase. I'm not trying know. to generalize the fact that obviously we know that he has to be really good. What I'm trying to say is that if you're trying to beat a Western Kentucky or be that tournament team that you that you were last year, Javion still has to be significantly, I mean, over the top, far and away, your best player yes. on the team. Okay. I agree with that. You're right. I think the difference is this year, whereas last year Javion had to, in every single game, Bring it 100%. Yes. Be the best player. Against whether it was FIU or Western Kentucky, he yep. had to be the guy to get, create offense 100% of the time. This year, you have Zachary Simmons, senior. Thomas Bell, good passer, good creator, 
solid player, senior. You have Drez, junior. You have James Reese, senior. You have Terrence Lewis, junior. Then you have a host of other guys, Jalen Jackson, Larry Wise, et cetera, et cetera, who can play as well. Javion should not have to consistently be the best player on the court for North Texas in every single conference game this season. In Western Kentucky, I agree with you. I think he does. I think that expecting him to do okay, the stats that is, I just read. What is your are, definition of the best player? The stats that I just read are unfathomable. What, yes. What is, what is your definition of best player of a game? The man was putting up the stats that I just read. Right. I know. I know. I know. I guess my 18, question is 18, five and a half. Like, are you two. are you basing off of like scoring? Like, if Drez has more points than Javion on a night, are you considering him the best player that night? No, because Mo also had nights where he was putting up more that's, points. That's what I'm saying. But I think Drez, if Drez puts up more points, it's different than how Mo put up more points. Yes. Because Drez I agree. is going to be dictating the offense a little bit yes. more. He's going to be at the rim. He's probably going to be drawing free throws a little bit more. He he's probably whenever he's taking over, Javion might be able to get on the bench for a couple more minutes, be spot him a couple more minutes, and then they're, they're going to be able to stay afloat. But Javion will still be the best player every game. Yes, that's my that's that's my point. If yes. Best okay. Pl- no, he is going to be the best player in that. I don't think he's going to have bad games. I'm not saying that he can have off right. games. I'm just saying that's that we I'm don't saying. need him to be doing the no, Superman. Yeah. No, I, shit I, that he's doing. <laughs> no, no, no. I definitely, I definitely agree. My point is, that if if I'm saying that if Javion is not your your best player, then there's an issue somewhere. Yes. Um. But no, I agree. I mean, if if he's able to play, say, 25 minutes a night because they're blowing out some team because Drez is pushing the pace in transition. Look, great. I just, I yes, I just the number. She also shot 88% of the free throw line. On 100 free throws in 18 games. He was getting to the line over five times a game That's shooting crazy. 88% That's from the crazy. line. You, you, I'm reading the stats here, and I, you, you, you can't quantify how good these like he, he was last year. No, no, you're right. And you're that's right. why I'm I'm saying, and it leads me to another point, which, screw it. They're not empty stats. No, either. they're not empty it's stats It's not like Javon all. Jackson no. where he's putting up, you know, no. the leading score in the nation, but their team's no. awful. Nope, nope, nope. This leads me to my other point, which I had a concern when I was doing the player previews and I was looking through the roster. I said, there are too many scorers on this team. That was my first thought. Because, you know, like the names I said, Javion, uh, Reese, Drez. Like, Reese is going to be better than he was last year significantly. And he's going to have to take shots. Okay, so those three guys, Zach Simmons is still going to need his post-ups. Thomas Bell is probably going to take just as many shots, if not more. He only averaged six and a half points a game. People forget that. they only He only averaged six and a half points per game. Um, Terrence, and then you have other guys as well. But just in the starting lineup, I was concerned initially with, do they have too many guys that, I don't want to say need the ball there, but can score? Which sounds weird to say because obviously you want everyone to be able to score. But last year it was a very defined team. It was right. Javion did the hard work on, on offense. Then you had Thomas who could kind of shoot but get the rebounds and be that force. Zach post up occasionally. Reese hit the open three and slash um, for a dunk every now and then. And Mo who just spotted up from three. Very defined roles. This team doesn't feel like it's going to be that at all. Completely like, disagree. James Reese. Hold on, let me finish. Okay. James Reese, okay. We, if y'all read my preview, McCaslin said it himself, the most improved player of any of the returners. You're telling me he's not going to take three more shots a game? You're telling me he's not going to put the ball on the floor every now and then a little bit more? 
Javion is still going to do the same thing he did last year. Drez, we both assumed him to be take that Mo role in some capacity. Maybe he shoots a little bit less than Mo. I don't even know how much Mo really shot last year per game. I know he shot the most shots of anybody. He shot, yeah, he shot, damn, he shot a lot. What is this, 12 a game, roughly? Something like that. Shot about 12 shots a game. So maybe he shoots, maybe Drez shoots a little bit less than that. But Thomas is going to shoot a little bit more. Zach's going to shoot the same. He still needs his post touches. It's a more it it is a more fluid team, in my opinion. I don't I don't see that role definition at least yet, and I'm sure that will develop as the season goes on. They'll develop their roles, but there there that was the one thing that concerned me early on. And then as I kind of looked at it more, I I backed off on it because I just think that like I was yelling about for the last five minutes, JV, asking Javion to do so much is not sustainable. So if you have other guys create, I'm okay with that. So that was my concern, and that's why I backed off of it. Okay. Well, I completely disagree with your your original concern, mm-hmm. and you're going to hate the comparison because I'm a Pistons fan. <laughs> Go. There it was. Go. Okay. I, they're not the same exact team in the way they're built, but Chauncey Billups on that 0-4 was the engine of that team and the best player on that team, yes. even if, you know, Rip Hamilton had more points. or Basically, Chauncey made sure everyone got the ball. Yeah. Everyone got theirs. Javion is very, has a very similar role. He's still going to be the best player. He's still going to take the game-winning shots. He's still going to be, you know, the guy. The guy. Mm-hmm. But he's also not... He's unselfish enough to where he knows that, okay, I need my guy Zach to get this. Just similar to how, you know, Ben Wallace needed to get the, the alley-oop every once in a while. Or... You know, James Reese isn't going to be putting the ball on the floor really that much, but he's going to be coming off of, you know, he's going to maybe do like one dribble pull-ups or off of a screen. Rip Hamilton, he called himself that. And then you have Drez, who's just going to be, you know, backup point guard in a sense. He's still going to start, but he's not going to take anything away from anybody else. And then when you talk about Thomas Bell, I think Thomas is going to play a lot more with the second unit than he will with the first unit, only because, like you said, he is going to be getting more shots. He's going to be more focal point of the offense. He may start, but I think his role is defined leading that second unit in a sense. So that's that's when I say that like you're not going to have a guy, I don't think, this year. I think Javion averages the most points a game, but it's like 15 points a game. And I think that's a good thing. Because that means the other guys are making shots. I can agree with... I agree with you. That's That might, be the, that might be the first Pistons... I don't understand you agree with. I don't understand how you think that that's not still less role definition. Because everyone still has their role. They're just better. That makes sense? The yes. reason why Javion had 18 points a game was because he had to do a lot with not not a little, but he had to do a lot to make sure his team won. Whereas if you have James Reese being a lot more consistent this year instead of, you know, fluctuating between however many points and a low amount of points, you know that he could probably give you 12 a night consistently instead of 8 a night consistently. And Drez is going to be able to do more than, like we just named off most stats, he's not going to, you know, go 2 of 9 one night from 3 and then 4 of 6 the next night. He's going to be able to get to the line. He's going to be able to drive. Again, a new role that Javon doesn't have to fill. You know, he doesn't have to make up for those missed threes. And then Thomas... If he's playing with a second unit, you're assuming that he's playing with guys that aren't going to be dominating the ball as much as, you know, a Javion who has going to have like a 40% usage rate. So I think that the points are going to be more spread out, but the roles are going to be exactly the same. They're just going to be better. You said more fluid. You used that word earlier. Yes. The team's going to be a lot more fluid, but the roles are still there. And by fluid, I mean everyone's going to have a big night this year. It's not just going to be Javion 
every single night where we're like, oh my god, how did he just put up 18, 5, and 9? Yeah. It's going to be like, oh crap, Zach just had a really great game. James Reese just put up, you know, 22 more than once in a season. Thomas Bell just went off for 16. Like, I think we're going to see a lot more of that this season, and I think that's a really good thing for this team. I understand. So you're saying more so if Javion, as we've talked about for the last 15 minutes, Javion take a small step back and help distribute a little bit yes. more. Javion, how have many assists did Javion average last year? Six? Uh, almost, almost. Five and a half. It, it could probably be like seven this year. If it's seven, then it's, yeah. Then I I will if it's seven I agree that that's a different role, uh I I mean I think that's I think that's a different role I think no, I think the role is the same, because his role is as the best player on the team is to make the team win, hit the big shots, and do what needs to do to take that team to the next level. But, that is even but last year that wasn't his role, but that is his main role. He's he's the catalyst. I understand that you're saying it's small tweaks to everybody's role, yes. and like it's just imp- it's basically how do I say this? It's either boosting their role or slightly ch- shifting their role. In a when sense. you say role, what do you mean? When I, I think, mean when I think role, I think of everyone's not necessarily everyone's necessarily importance to the team. When I think of role, when I'm when I say role, which I should have probably prefaced at the beginning, it's what the player is expected to do on a nightly basis. Yes. Okay. So when I look at when I looked at Thomas. Yeah, okay. When I looked at here, okay, here's an easier one. When I looked at Mo last year, his role was to make open threes, make deep threes, be a secondary ball handler, and hold his own on defense. Yes. Simple. That's it. And I think he did that role well. Drez, his role this year, based on what I know and what I've heard will be to be a more emphatic secondary ball handler to make open shots and to put pressure on the rim. Yes. And that is different from what Moe's role was. Yes, in terms of the way they play. Yes. I, so that's I, why my I definition's think, different, I guess. Yeah, I think I think that's where yes, you where you're saying is that it's it's gonna take a different emphasis from different players to do to get to the point where they want to get I'm saying that I think they're going to have to slightly change what they have to do on a night-to-night basis. And you're saying that that's not a bad thing because they're still doing the same thing they did last year, except they're doing more of it. Yes. Like, for example, like Thomas Reese's- is still going to get all the rebounds. He's still going to be that, that yes. guy who gets those offensive rebounds, but he might be able to go off for 16 a night instead of 9 a night. Yes. And, you know, Javion might average 15 a game, but he's still going to have those 25-point games. That That is my point. Yes. And... So I, that's where I'm. I'm. I'm antsy to see how that kind of plays out. In a sense, to, I think it will work perfectly. I, here's another. Here's another reason why it should. Why. Why it will work, and why it's not a concern, and why I completely was wrong, is that. Yes, we know that, and we'll get into the newcomers in a second. Uh, as far as the freshmen and whoever, Larry and Jalen, that seventh and eighth spot in the rotation are not going to be guys that come off the bench and demand the ball. Right. Right. So if you have Reese on the court, Reese and Drez on the court with, I don't know, Michael, Michael Robinson, then those two are the primary creators or in that, or if you just have Javion and Reese, like if we're assuming Reese is taking a step forward, like if we're assuming all five of the starters can create to a certain degree, 
and we we're assuming that everybody on the bench can't really, right? Ter- I mean, let me read it. Terrence, Ruben, Jalen, Michael, Larry, Abu. When you say uh, bench, do you mean JJ. second unit or just like bench players? All se- all seven of those guys I just okay, named. Okay. Terrence, yes. Ruben, yes. Jalen, Michael, Larry, Abu, yes. Abu, and JJ. We're assuming that the starters are a step a significant step above as far as creating yes. goes. So you can mix and match those lineups exactly. a little bit more. Which is why I said Thomas. I think will probably. Which is why you're when unit. you're going to Thomas. I think that Drez will have a similar impact. Uh, Reese as well is that you'll be able to pl- to to get comfortable lineups in there. Yeah, so that's why I, it's another reason I don't think it'll be as big of a deal. But um, because if if they had, if they had, um, I don't know, like let, let's say they still had Mo and then they had Drez off the bench or something like that, then that'd be really weird. Yes, to where you have, and I, I would, think, and I would say that is too many. That is a product because of the way that both of those players play, as opposed to, I guess both of them needing the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like Mo, he wants to shoot. He shot twelve shots a game last yeah. season. Were all those 12 shots good? Four of those shots probably were not good shots. Whereas the, this team and the way that McCassum recruits and the way that he has his culture is everyone has one goal, and that is to win. It's not to, you know, I need to make... And I'm not saying Mo was a selfish player. Yes. I'm saying that just like Javon Jackson, like I mentioned before, he's going to get his, but it might not make him win. Yeah. Whereas Javion is going to be like, okay, I'll score nine points a game, but if we win, I don't care. Yeah. And I think that's everyone's everyone has the same goal and that comes back to McCaslin and his culture and I think that that is again the similar culture to why I compared them to 04 Pistons yeah now we said all of that just based off of the Javion tab yeah, so, I know uh, I don't know how much 52 we could, minutes <laughs> so I don't know how much we could say about Drez at this point I feel like we've covered him decently well let's but, just let's just now just run through basics and then if a big point comes up we can talk about okay that. again so, so we'll just say like, what do we th- like? What do you think Dres's role outside of what we've already said is going to be next season? What should we expect? I should ask. We should expect him to do everything that I've already said. He should be an aggressive player on offense that is can attack closeouts, that can shoot the open three at a, at a consistent level, and I haven't seen him pass, but. The hope is that he is a capable enough passer to where he, when he drives, it's not going to be a turnover. And you and you don't mean like he doesn't pass. You're just saying you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, right. I just want to. Yeah, sure I haven't. Clear. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, Reese. I mean, like we've said, I, he's supposed to be better off the bounce. I really think that he is because we saw that towards the end of last season. We last saw season him. He was getting yeah crazy. We saw him start to hit pull up jumpers. We saw saw him start to get to the rim a little bit more. Um, I think that he can play anywhere between the two and the four, uh, which w- maybe we see him at the four. We saw him a, a little bit last year, but not too much. But anywhere in between there, I'm comfortable with him. Uh, I think that he's going to continue to shoot the ball really, really well. I be, wouldn't be surprised if he hit 40% from three on five a game, five, six a game. And I, I thought he was... I thought he should have been. I I looked back at one of my writing, uh, or my one of my uh, in the season stories, and mm-hmm. I said that he should have been third team all 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 conference, and I think he might reach that level this year, um, along with Thomas and maybe Zach. Like those three guys could all be all conference caliber players this year. Uh, do you have anything on Reese? Or uh, you said everything. I, I think. Yeah, said. I'm trying to think. Uh, we 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 got the starters down pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Thomas. Uh, like we said, he's going to be a force. Uh, 
on both ends on the glass especially he was the best rebounder team last year i expect him to do a similar thing this year he got more comfortable as the season went on uh big thing for him is his shooting if he can shoot two threes a game and he can make 35 to 37 38 percent of them that's huge i would also say um he needs to be better this year off the dribble Mm -hmm. especially for his role in the second unit Mm -hmm. okay uh zach i mean you everybody knows how how good zach is at this point i mean he's kind of just the, the him drawing double guy. teams alone is if he draws double teams then it's gonna again take this team to another level yeah like that's gonna be huge for this team um and i'm still a proponent of not doubling zach in the post like if you were not i team. was yeah last year i said that often yeah you cannot double him because the team is shooting 38 percent from three right team still yeah. did it and you know it's whatever uh it had mixed results last year so i can't say that i'm definitively right or wrong so we'll see uh now we go to the new guy, or yeah, we go to mostly the new guys. Uh, Terrence, we've kind of covered him. He's going to be, he's a really good rebounder, better rebounder than Dang, better shooter than Dang, uh, better at attacking the rim because he's a little bit, a bit stronger than Dang, but he doesn't have that uh, defensive presence that Dang or the had. Length. Yeah, or the length. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how they balance that out. I'm really interested to see how a Terrence and Thomas lineup would look at the four or five. That's probably one of the more concerning things only because of how effective that dang Thomas lineup was for me last year. Yeah. But Thomas, Terrence should be able to, Terrence should be able to finish at the rim and get to the rim. Yeah. But I think it would be like a Thomas at the five and, and Terrence at the four probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're about the same height. Yeah. I just mean in terms of their skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, then we go to the freshman. Well, actually that's not true. Let's get through the other two returners first. Th- three returners first. Ru- um, Jalen, Jalen Jackson, really, I just think his value is just, if, can he make an open three? Yep. I really, I think it's that simple. I mean, that's the only way he gets on the court. I really think it's that what simple. Because what is Grant's well, thing if you, you make three and play defense, really? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is he, he played, he played at times last year. He played in, I think it was 15 out of the 18 conference games or well, something that, like that. Well, that home lot tech game, every time they play defense, they call a timeout or they yeah, I think do that's something. Yeah, they throw tr- foul trouble or something like that. Yeah, but I'm saying like that's, that is his role because yes. he is such a good defender. Um, like you said, is he able to hit that three? Now, I think if he is able to hit that three, that kind of shakes up the, the guard rotation, in my opinion. And that's when we might get to the your concern a little bit more with the different roles. Only because not only can he hit the open three, if he's playing the two guard, mm-hmm can he create to be the one guard that he needs to be? Yeah. Because if yeah. you have him at the two, there's going to be an issue. I, I, th- I think it all just comes back to if he can hit an open three. Like, it, everything revolves on that. Because mm-hmm. we know he's going to be a great defender. We know he's going to play defense. He's probably going to play, you know. It's the difference between him playing four minutes a game and him playing 12 minutes a game. Yep. Really. Spot minutes <laughs> yes. as, as well. Yeah. It, it's a completely different animal here for Jalen. And everybody that I've talked to, uh, last year, especially, said that he got significantly better from before the season to middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Like he, three point shooting wise, he got way way better. Yeah. So I'm hopeful in that regard. I still didn't love his jump shot at all, his form at all. Uh, the rhythm of it was not consistent to me, and the the release was not consistent to me. But um, as long as he can find what's comfortable for him and he can shoot at a decent clip, I'm okay. Uh, another returner is Larry coming off of a knee injury, uh, which he suffered in March. Um, he is fully recovered and ready to go. He's practicing out there. Larry, 
we've um I don't know if we've talked about how much we talked about him because he didn't play. He only played 14 games last year. But Larry is one of the more talented players on the team as far as skill set goes. He's a very savvy player, very smart player, very skilled Patient, player, disciplined, disciplined player. Like he's a skilled guy. The problem with him is finding a spot where he can help the team win, right? Because you have all these guys that I just we just read a lot of roles off to you, like what they do at an elite level, like Terrence rebounds and attacks the rim at an elite level. Jalen, even. Yeah, Jalen defends at an elite level. We're saying if he can get that second thing at a solid level, he can play. Larry, it's hard for us to assess what he does at a high level because ideally you want him with the ball in his hands, but then that would mean taking the ball out of Javion and Drez's hands. And if you take the put the ball in his hands, what does he do better with the ball in his hands that Javion and Drez don't already do? That's that's the right. trouble for him, right? right? And so he's a little he's bigger, obviously, um six four, which isn't even actually bigger, but he just feels he's like, longer and he's yeah, he's, he's, a little he's like longer. built. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think another thing I, you're it's gonna be a trend throughout the season, everybody. I hope y'all all remember this from last year. If he can make an open three, he'll have a lot better chance of playing. Yeah. Like that's because he's he his ideal role would be point guard. Yeah. I, I I list ideally it would be a one, but I don't think there's a chance of him playing the one. So I listed him as a two or a three. Because right. I think that's where he's gonna have to find a role to where you defend, make open threes, and then you can create off that. Now it would be interesting if he plays kind of a combo guard type of role in the second unit if he's able to hit that three. Because mm-hmm. I think that's where he'd probably fit the best. Yes. Uh, and then allows that also allows Thomas to play with the first unit more. Line up, line up next to like if if Javion's on the bench, then you go Drez, Larry, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where Larry can maybe go a little bit. More. Yeah, because they have a little then more Drez can there. explode off the catch as opposed yeah. to having to keep the ball. In his yeah, face. so then you have two guys there that can create a little bit, and mm-hmm. that's what you hope Larry can get to this year, which I think he can. It's just putting it together mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, he's only a retro sophomore, which is year three, which sounds young, but it is year three. So, I mean, I don't know. It It's going to be interesting to see how he develops. Uh, JJ McCaslin said he's going to play. Uh, if McCaslin is telling the truth, saying that he's the best defender on the team, saying that he's better than Jalen, which well, I kind of believe because he's just so damn strong. First of all, Go ahead. That's not even just him saying that now. He said that two years ago. He said that, yeah. he's, he's When he was a walk-on, that. he yeah. said that two years ago. Yeah. And we were all like, okay, is he going to play? The problem was, this, again, his three-point shooting. Yes. And I think that he probably he might come in and do kind of take the DJ role a little bit more mm-hmm. to where he's that guy that'll pick up a guy, you know, 90 feet down the court and kind of force them to, you know, tire them out. I'll tell you what, man. If they ever have fouls to to waste, like if they, if they have, like, no fouls through, like, four minutes of a quarter – just throw JJ and and Jalen out there and just let him press. What and an just insane! Reach for everything. What an insane! <laughs> that is insane. Like and JJ six one. Like he's not Jalen. Like Jalen's five eleven. So it's right. You know he's a little bigger. Again, he's like you said, he's strong. Yeah. Like that's the difference. And so if JJ can actually defend at that level, it's just going to come down to if he can make an open three. <laughs> make an open three. I love how that like like a few years ago when it was like Ryan on the court and he couldn't really make an open three. It was like he's still gonna play like forty minutes a game, but now, but now we're like you don't even get to get on the court even hey, if man. you have a skill that can translate to that next level. That's you, funny. You know, Zach's gonna take a few more threes this year too. I bet. Good. I wanted him to take them last year. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I'm cool with mid range. Cool. All right. I think that's that's all the returners. Let's get to the new guys. 
as far as the the freshmen go. We'll start with Ruben. Ruben Jones from Houston Yates. Uh, true freshman uh, comes in at six foot four. Let me pull the roster up to confirm because I've been on stats this whole time. Da, da, da. Ruben Jones, six five guard from Houston Yates. Uh, if you know anything about Yates, they put up about a hundred points a game in high school, which is incredible. They press, they run, they shoot. They a hundred points a game. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yes, it is terrifying. It's absolutely. Terrifying. I couldn't imagine being like some I, yeah. some poor four a some poor little school <laughs> just 4A. getting ran four a. They're running. Uh, I think they were going to play Argyle actually. I'm not sure about that, but okay. they would have played in either the championship or the state because remember high school got ca- canceled at the state semifinals, so they were either going to play there or in the championship. I don't remember. But yeah, Yates is a is a monster program. Um, but yeah, Ruben comes in, and again, I've seen highlights, I've seen games, and then I've talked to a lot of people in and around the team about him. And the main thing everybody tells me, which I've heard different things, I've heard he's a really good passer. I've heard, heard he has a really good handle. All the things come back to just him having an incredible feel for the game and just an incredible presence with the ball in his hands and just an impressive a really good feel for where to be on the court on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he's a guy who at six, five has the handle of a, of a guard who can create consistently. And as a freshman, while he doesn't have the playing experience at a college level, obviously he's already m- way more seasoned than like a lot of other guys at this level, like yeah. at this stage in their career, yep. he's incredibly polished in that regard. And so that's where that's probably the word that I would use to describe Ruben right now is he's polished on the offensive side of the ball with his shot, with his decision making, with his ball handling, with his passing. Uh, he's played at a fast pace at Yates for his whole career, so the pace of the game isn't gonna overwhelm him. Um and he's gonna be uh in that mix for, you know, in th- those rotation spots and which we'll get into after we run through the young guys. We'll make some predictions, but uh, Ruben is is a fascinating player. Is there any question you have about Ruben or anything that that? I mean, you, I think I think the only thing is that I think everyone expects him to play. I think it's where we can see him at the end of the season. I think is the only question. Like in terms of how much does he develop? How much does he use that ball handling, that creation? Um, how much does he get chances to shoot? Like, is he in the DJ role? Is mm-hmm. he in the Rose role? Or is he going to do more? Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, next up is Michael Robinson, true freshman. Uh, from Houston, he played in Kansas though at Sunrise Christian Academy. I believe it was Kansas. Uh, he's a six-seven wing player. He's physical. Uh, he's kind of unique in the sense that he's a perimeter guy, but he can rebound and he can kind of get in the paint. So he's kind of a what he's a well-balanced guy. That's what I'll say. And he just needs to get a little more seasoning on him and just get get comfortable in the in the system a little bit more. But he's he has the potential to play right away. I will say that. Like all like he's been effective enough in the practices that they've had that he's shown that he's gonna be in the mix. Just I mean, with uh, right next to Bruno. Yep. Next and finally you have Abu Usman. Usman I wanna say Usmane because that's how I would read it uh read a soccer player's name because I think Usman Usman. It's Usman. Usman Dembele. For those of you who follow soccer, uh, <laughs> I was like, that's all right, how you spell, think through this. <laughs> that's how you spell Usman and Usman Dembele. So I'm going to say Abu Usman. Correct me if I'm wrong. Remember last year we used to say Dang. Well, how do we say Go Dang's or name? Dingu. Go, no, Goo is the right way to say it. But what did we used to say? Dang Gao. 
Gao, I think probably. I think that was probably it. Gao. Go? Dango? Dango. No, we I don't didn't remember. say Dango. Whatever. Probably saying it wrong. Abu Usman uh, from New York. He, uh, one thing that I've heard a lot of from people and around the team is just that uh, his offensive feel is really, really, really good. Like mm-hmm. he's scoring in their games. Like, yeah. he's scoring, scoring. Like, not just, like, every now and then. No, like, he's, like, legitimately scoring. Like, he's an option. Like, he's, like, scoring, scoring. Yeah. <laughs> in, in ways that we haven't seen. And uh, I don't know if y'all saw it on Twitter, but Abu posted his before and after of his body transformation, like, after, like, two months at North Texas or whatever. Dude's posture completely changed. Gosh. It's just a yeah. different... He's a different man. Different yeah. man. So, uh, I'm glad he's been able to get in shape uh, because the offensive side is not really the question. It's the defense for him right it's the defense finding that consistency uh finding out uh playing without fouling you know all the things that kind of zach went through as a young player he's gonna have to go through mm-hmm. moving his feet laterally pick and roll coverages you know rebounding at a consistent level getting through multiple possessions in a row that's gonna be a tough thing for abu um i don't it's hard to predict red shirts especially since i don't think i don't know if the season's even gonna count as far as red shirt, like eligibility goes i don't know how it's gonna work um but without JV Maya, third year. <laughs> but without Maya, uh, it's kind of tough to see this team playing with only with only Zach Thomas and uh, Zach Thomas and uh, Terrence. I I will say that there's going to be no Richards. And I, I will say that I, th- because, I would think they're going to. And I was and I'm going to say that because I would already put Ruben. I would put all the freshmen above. Abdul and Shaquem already, only Definitely because of Abdul, the caliber that they were. Probably Shaquem. like Shaquem and Abu are different players. Don't get me wrong, but like Shaquem was in his third year, yeah, <laughs> last year, and he but, didn't play. But my at point all. is, is that they have that skill to do the next thing. We thought Abdul had the shooting, and yeah. and the kind of perimeter defense. We were wrong. Yes. Whereas we know that Ruben has the shooting, and he has the creation. And like you said, he's polished. Abdul was not polished, yeah. and I think. Uh, if you know you said Abu is already you know scoring at a high level, again, which did Shaquem do that? And I think that when you have any skill that can translate at the next level, yeah, you're gonna play. That's I I'm gonna say, and obviously this might not matter because there might not even be eligibility around this year. But I would say Abu would is would redshirt if I had to pick. And I yeah. don't know this. I haven't heard this from anybody in, on the team or anything. But if I had to pick, I'd say Abu because I think you can. Michael six seven. You can maybe plug in there at the four for spot minutes. Uh, I wouldn't mind sliding Reese down to the four every now and then uh, if you had to. Um, so I feel like they have enough options to where they don't I think have I, to. I think it just solely can. Uh, what the wow? What is the word convenience? I'm for? No, it's solely. So, wow! All right, talk talk through it. It talk. relies on, or it's decided by. It's, there okay, we go. It's decided this, by. It's going to be decided by how effective that second big lineup is going to be with Terrence and Thomas or with Zach Terrence off and, the court and my yeah with Zach off the court yeah. and now if you need to put like are we going to be able to put James Reese at the four if I have to yeah. if you have to like would you really want that or would you rather have the size of Abu and I think that's your your differentiating thing because everyone <laughs> yeah. can play on this team yeah yeah it, it, it'll be interesting to see but um yeah so that's all the that's all the guys now let's make some predictions here because we know the starting five, we know Terrence is, or we know this, we know the best six. Yeah, right? I, so, I don't know if we know the starting five. We know the best okay. Six. Well, we know Javion, Drez, Reese, Thomas, Zach, and Terrence are the top six. Mm-hmm. 
I've said it before, seven and eight, and really Mac only went really seven deep whenever it was big games. But we're in, but in regular, I think that's more of a product of who they had. Yeah, but like in regular, really gonna put Rose out. But there. in regular, but in regular games, they played eight deep. Yep. So who do you think gets the seventh and eighth spot? Assuming they're both guards, or at least guard wing or something. Like. They're players. not. Yeah, they're not going to be. I think Abu. Well, yeah. Well, the two that I think are important. And like I said this earlier, I said the I guess the ones that we should we should want to see there are Michael and Ruben. Um, obviously, we talked about JJ playing on there with his defense, and same with Jalen. But I think those guys are very situational, and depending on what you want to do, like if you need to get a stop for a possession at the end of a game, you throw one of them two guys out there because they're both going to be ready to play and have been in that situation before. Whereas if you have Ruben and Michael playing those two positions, like that just shows that they're they're ready to play, and that shows that the development. Whereas if I see JJ and whoever else i'm mm-hmm. trying to think uh jalen larry larry we'll say larry yeah if, if i see those two guys out there it's concerning to me because i don't think larry has gotten much better than he was at the beginning of last season mm-hmm. and then if we see jj out there he has one translatable skill but outside of that what are we really going to see from him on the offensive end so yeah. it, i think my if we see michael and ruben take those two spots this team's gonna be really good i'm gonna go ruben seven Jalen eight, interesting. I think Jalen is actually gonna play like those twelve minutes a game that Rose played last year. I think I think Jalen will be able to make open threes. <laughs> Always come back to that, but I think that having I feel like if you have Ruben on the court, I I feel like Jalen would be a good complement to him, and you let Jalen go take the other team. Like like obviously it'd be. Jalen Drez Ruben. Or well, what do you like what that. do you think of what is Ruben's role in your mind? Ruben's more Ruben's role is a wing. I don't want to call him a creator because I don't think I don't want to, I don't think he's gonna have to do that much. But I think he can make the open shot. He can create, and I think he's good enough with the ball in his hands to where if he gets an opening, he's gonna be able to take it. If you have a lineup with Jalen Drez Ruben Thomas, let's say some some like that, whoever at the five, then. You're not asking Jalen to do too much. You're just asking him to defend at a high level and make open shots. And I think if he does that, then I think you see him on the court because I think that he's good enough and he's smart enough and he's a great defender because then you can win those minutes on the defensive side of the ball with Jalen. I do think that. So I'm going to say Jalen at eight, um, Ruben at seven as far as like the rotation goes. I do think Ruben's going to get a hefty amount of minutes though. Probably yep. 12, 15 a game. I think I, I almost kind of put it to where he's Rose and DJ combined in a sense in terms of the way that they play, maybe not necessarily the strengths. Yeah. Like we saw Rose put on the floor whenever he didn't have it on yeah. three. I think we're going to see that from when you get it past the corner, it's not going to be let's just throw it up or pass it away. He's Rose's he, game with DJ's awareness. Yes, there you go. There you go. There you go. And almost and probably shot making more so than, than yeah. Rose was last year. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I... I think it's an interesting problem to have because I think I, I, I don't know how good Larry's going to be, but I look at it as a standpoint of I know he's talented. And even if he doesn't have that one thing that translates to get him on the court, I think he has enough that can get him on the court for like a few spot minutes here and there. Like if they – and non-conference play especially. I think that he's going to be able to get on the court on occasion. I mean, so. We saw that last year, though. Yes. 
mean, yeah, we always go back to that one play. I think it was against Arkansas when he like he was like really patient in the paint and like you sent it to me over text. You're like, you just see that because like we haven't seen that from a from a guard in North Texas yeah. up to that point. So, okay, let's go to some general stuff on this uh, upcoming team, whether it's predictions and whatnot. And then we have some predictions to do, and we'll be good. Do we have questions? Yes. Well, kind of. Okay. Uh, this team shot 38% from three last year. Do we think they match that? No reason they shouldn't. That's a high number. That's why they shouldn't. That's a high. It is a high number, but they didn't get it by luck last Here's year. Here's another thing. If they shoot more, if they shoot more than 20 attempts per game, then it might go down. And that won't be a bad thing. No, I mean. Like if they shoot 24 a game. Yeah, Something if they like shoot that. 24 a game and shoot 36%, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, that's matching it in my opinion. Yes. Okay. The way that the shots came last saying. year wasn't wasn't hey. a like, oh god, that was an outlier. It, I mean, they came legitimately and they were good shots. How big of a difference do you think it will make if Terrence and Thomas, let's say, both play the four, you and can shoot threes on a somewhat consistent basis, whereas last year Dang couldn't shoot? Uh, it would be interesting to see them pick up the pace at that point. Because you play five out, and that would be Zach's not playing five out. No, no. Oh, or we say, oh, was Zach playing? I thought you meant with yeah. Terrence, no, no. I Terrence. meant one of those two on the court with Zach because last oh, year you had I'm Zach sorry. and Dang on the court. Well, then I think that makes it to where you can't double Zach, and then Zach, as the crafty passer that he is in the paint, is going to be able to if he does draw the double team, find that Thomas to where Thomas is not doesn't have to drive off the catch and said he can shoot the ball. I'm interested from a spacing perspective for that. Yeah, that, I'm that's, interested that's to see. How, I mean. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that. If you play one in with Zach, not only do you are you because Zach's touch around the room is really good, and if it gets to the point where he has to be doubled, then Zach's gonna be able to make the pass. Last year's defense we talked about kind of took a dip, and we don't know how good, we don't even know their rotation or anything like that. But do you think they finish around the same? As far as, let's say, the Kimpon rating is right, that's had him at, like, I think, 146. Mm-hmm. Do you think they finished around the same spot? Their defense last year was based a lot on that lineup that I talk about all the time with yes. Thomas and Dang. It was kind of eh with Zach on the floor only because of his lateral quickness, and then when the guys got into the paint, it was tough for him. If Terrence isn't able to kind of make up for Dang, I, we might see. I don't know if they're going to stay man the whole time. They're playing man. The whole time. Grant does not play in zone. They are Grant would rather die <laughs> than play zone. <laughs> you don't think they, they go to zone? They're not playing zone. They played like the least zone in the entire country last year. Sure, because they didn't have to. Because he won't. Because he, won't. he will Listen, not. I'm not letting that quote Gr- about about uh Grant has about, a sign. I'm not letting the quote Grant about, has a sign oh, in his <laughs> office that says zone is for cowards. <laughs> That's what Grant has I'm in his office. I'm not letting the quote about Reem implementing that zone offense go away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not letting it go. I will see a zone, damn it. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Do they finish in the same spot? Uh, I sure. So. I f- sure. I mean, they have the difference between this year and last year was last year was a lot more in fun. I think they get more turnovers this year, and I think that, that makes up for it because of the explosiveness of Drez. Especially if we get that Jalen JJ lineup. Jalen JJ Drez? Ooh. Full court press, whole Ooh. game. Thomas and, and uh, with Thomas, Thomas and Ruben. Ruben knows how to press. Wait, wait, wait. Ruben knows wait. how to press. <laughs> so here's the lineup: Jalen, Drez. Uh, wow, I just lost the name. Uh, JJ, JJ. Reese, Thomas. 
There's your press lineup. I wanted Ruben on the court because he knows how to press. I don't want Ruben on the court for that. You're such a. I would. I would laugh. He'll, everyone's like six five and under. I love it. And you just. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. Um. Do do do. All right. I think we can. Okay. Let's assume that this non-conference schedule at this moment. Let's assume it's finalized. It's not. Obviously, they're gonna add more games. Five games: Mississippi Valley State, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Houston Baptist, LSU. What's their record in this? Four and one. Here. Make you for the wins. Okay, go ahead. Mississippi Valley State win. Arkansas win. Mississippi State win. Houston they lose Baptist. against LSU. LSU is gonna be good. Good. If we're expecting this, LSU is gonna be really, really. If good. this team. This team is not going to be the same team it was last Look, year in the non-conference season. I agree. I That's think that I think the biggest game. Okay, three and two. If the Mississippi State, because I think that game is a 50-50 game. There is. They win Arkansas because they lose too much. We don't even know who they're replacing Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones. With. I don't care who it is. Okay. The defense won them that game. Okay. If uh, you're, you're going to say that they have a I, better defense than they did last okay. year. Okay. Here's the better question. Okay. What percentage chance do you give it that they win one of those three games? The Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas. Yes. Arkansas. One of those three? Yes, one of those three. What percentage chance do you give it? Like only one or at least one? At least. No, no, no. Yes, one or more. Uh, 98.9%. You think, you think it's guaranteed that they win one of those three? Yes. If they, are, if they come into the season 80% of what they were at the end of last season... Why not? You're crazy. Why not? Those are not. They're not. I know. Those are not easy games. Yes. If they were close against Arkansas last year with no offense, you're trying. I to understand th- how you're looking at this. Yes. Like Arkansas lost two NBA players and they were awful. And North Texas was awful last year and they still yes. hung in there, almost yes. beat them all this yes. stuff. Why not? I'm not saying it's not gonna happen. I'm just saying a nine. I'm saying guaranteeing one of one of one and two in those three is kind of crazy. Why not? How? How is that crazy? I'm putting it at sixty percent. Okay, you were insane. Sixty percent that they win one of those three. You can't even do seventy-five. Nope. Wow. So I I think it's likely that they go three and two. That's all I'll Who say. Who your two? Who's your win against Mississippi State? Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. And oh boy, if they beat Arkansas, we're coming on this podcast celebrating. Champagne. I'm posting that picture that I have in front of the hog at the football game with the L over my head. I'm posting it. I'm posting it. It's still in your taken tonight. It's, it's still in the, taken You're like, tonight. I drove to Arkansas just to take this photo. Three years ago. <laughs> All right. Let's predict the conference. Eighteen games. Nine teams twice. You know what the you know the drill. Back to back games. Do you here's a question for you. Do you think the back to back games makes it harder to win two, both of them? No, Grant is the best coach in the league. Okay. So, what do you think they go in these 18 games? I don't know. I don't remember the ones who they double up against. They double up against everybody. Don't they play home and away on somebody? Oh, yeah, yeah. But they go home, home, away, away, home, home, away, away. Then oh, it's okay. Rice, okay. they split. Okay, Rice, they split. And okay. then they go home, home, away, home, home, away. Okay. So do you want me to read the teams to you? No, I just wasn't sure how many. UAB, okay. UTSA, UTEP, Old Dominion, Rice, La Tech, Southern Miss, Western Kentucky, Marshall. Also, they have a pretty hard schedule. Like they play, I think they play, they play, they play really. Uh, uh, they I'm so far now. 
Um, they play a tough schedule in terms of like who's predicted to be good in the conference. Right. So like UTEP, UTSA, uh, La Tech, Old Dominion, Western Kentucky. Well, North we talked about this in the last podcast. We know Western Kentucky and North Texas are the two tiers. Are 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 the two teams in the first tier? Mm-hmm. Eighteen games. Am I trying to think they're better or worse than last year? Give me four losses. Fourteen and four. They lose. They split Western. This is tough. They man. lose one against like a UTEP. I think that it's, they don't lose a back to they don't lose back to back games. No, they won't. But this is tough. This is tough. The nature beating of the way teams back to back games is hard. But that's where it shows who's the better coach. Yeah, but it does. But it also doesn't because like a back to back game. If there was one day in between, then I would kind of agree. But one day in between, you're just playing on Saturday. You right. can't make old no. massive adjustments. No, 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 I know. But this comes down to in-game adjustments as opposed to before-game adjustments. Yeah, I guess. And it also comes down to if like, they destroy UTEP and UTEP has to try to game plan for the next game, that just means North Texas is the better team and they're probably going to win anyways. <laughs> so I'm gonna go, the losses to me... I'm going 12-6. and six. Twelve and six. Who are the losses against? Like I, 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 I'm of the belief that beating a team twice in a row on back-to-back days anywhere is hard. Yes, but that's where I am. If of the we're assuming though. the team is a lot better than most of these teams, I don't think they're going to be a lot better. I think they're going to be better, but I don't think Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is probably better on paper. Marshall's close. Uh, La Tech is close. Actually, no, La Tech. No, La Tech is not team. close anymore. Yeah. UTEP, I think, is close. I think UTEP is vastly underrated. UAB is close. I think I think twelve and six I'm comfortable with. Four losses for me. Yeah, I can see it. Okay. Um and I'm I am allowed to change that after the non conference season, as I did last year. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, people only remember my thirteen and five prediction last That's true. year. They, they don't do. remember my You want to know why? It's one. because you repeated it over and over and over and over and over I, again. Because Grant told it to me, okay? <laughs> and if Grant tells it to me... Wait, so tell the story. Tell the story at the end oh, of the, you hear it? the Western game. All right. So, final buzzer goes off. Confetti's falling. I walk on the court. I see everybody. I start you know, giving, up. giving handshakes, mm-hmm. hugging them, telling congratulations. You did it. You know, congratulations. I was looking for a shirt, see if I could get a shirt. Couldn't get a shirt. Um, I'm walking around, see everybody I know, um, and then I see Mac, and Mac turns to me, and he says, Bruni, you had us at 13 wins, and we got to 14, and then he hugged me, and boom, that's it. That's that's my that's the best story ever, because Grant knew, like, he knew that amongst the championship <laughs> win. <laughs> He wasn't worried about cutting down any nets. He was worried about finding me and telling me. <laughs> He's like, I proved, I proved his ass wrong. That's hilarious. It's the last time you underrate us. Okay. And then well, I just did it you again. You just did it again, 12 and 6. I know. So. And you said 3 and 2. Blasphemous. I think 12 and 6 gets blasphemous. Might get second in conference. Might win it, honestly, man. This is going to be a hectic Western, year. if they continue the trend of being one of the most inconsistent teams in Conference USA... 12 and 6 might do it. Yeah. 12 uh, and 6 might get it. Yeah. Like with a tiebreaker especially, in there somewhere. Especially, especially because Western has shown that they are not good at adjustments. Like, I think Old Dominion won the conference 
at 13 and 5 2 years ago or something they did. like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not. I think they they could go 13 and 5, but, you know, 12, I'm, I'm going to say 12 and 6 just cuz I it's an unpredictable season. Okay. I'm trying to think what else we have. Let me go to questions just in case. We're not going to do um preseason awards, by the way. Oh, I mean, I assume not. You didn't have me prepare for it. Okay. All right. Uh, NTSN is the sent four questions. The only four questions we have. I know I sent them on a late um, notice, but whatever. Okay. Um, and we all already kind of answered these, so we'll just fly through them if we did. Which newcomer will make the biggest impact? I think that is Drez. Drez. Pretty comfortably. Yeah. Drez and Terrence and Ruben, we assume. Um, two, do you think the offense or defense leads this team? I think it's the offense. I think it's the offense, but don't sleep on the defense. The defense is still going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, what is y'all's prediction for overall conference standing wise? All right, we just said that. I had them 12 and 6, probably in second, maybe first. You had them 14 and 4, probably winning it. Yep. I assume. Um, do y'all think Coach Max stays or is poached after another 21 season, 20 plus one season? Wow. We're at this question at the very end of the podcast. Sorry. Sorry. Continue. Unacceptable. Is Mac going to get poached? This is probably the saddest question we always talk about every year because of how good of a coach and how much. I we don't have him. to talk about it. We were asked it. We but must, we don't have to talk about do, it. We must do what the people have asked. We don't have to talk about it. Is he poached? Is he poached? Colin? You got one more year with Mac. There you go. Hey. <laughs> all right. That's my prediction. All right. What's yours? On that note. What's yours? On that note, Colin. Wow. wow. We will leave it at that. We've There's not talked a fourth enough. One. You said there were four. That was it. That was the fourth one. We've talked enough on this podcast. North Texas basketball kicks off their season on Thanksgiving, November 26th. I don't know when the game is. Last thing. What, Colin? What, what do you want? I'm How tired. much do they have to win by for you to be confident in these next non-conference games? Wait, what? How much do they have to beat Mississippi Valley State by for you to be confident for these for the hard games? This game means nothing to me. <laughs> face. Okay. They could win by 40. They could win by 10. Yeah, it would mean the same to me because it means nothing. Anyways, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We got on a little, a few side tangents, but you know, it was fun nonetheless. Um, But yeah, North Texas plays Mississippi Valley State on the 26th. Then they play Arkansas on the 28th. We'll find out if any more games are added in the coming days and hopefully, you know, before the end of the week, we'll see. But we thank you all for joining us. Um, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. So you go to our page, scroll down, press the little five stars. You can leave us a rate, uh, review as well if you'd like. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud as well. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247, at CJH Mitchell, and at Matthew Bruni underscore. And lastly, again, I will plug it again. Subscribe to MeanGreen247.com. We are doing a 50% off deal for our annual subscriptions if you enjoy our content if you uh, appreciate our work and if you want the inside scoops on everything north texas become a subscriber tell a friend and post on our boards um not to you know toot our own horn but we do the best work of anyone that covers north texas so especially when it comes to basketball that's not even a question so subscribe and We thank you again for joining us. I'm out of Red Bull, so I'm about to crash probably pretty soon. But thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all later. 